Hello and welcome into the PHNX Diamondbacks podcast. Is My name is Jesse Friedman alongside Jacob Franklin. We are once again your two favorite tall uh, Caucasians, and we are here once again with the PHNX D-backs podcast. Welcome into the PHNX D-backs show brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's number one rated sportsbook app. Jacob, how are you today? Doing well, Jesse. A little bit different location than we're used to. A little bit uh, different. Here at Four Peaks, but we're going to make it work. We're going to make it work. We are the first show of the day here at Four Peaks on this beautiful Wednesday morning. Uh, we would love for you to come out here and join us. We'll have shows going through 4 p.m., I want to say. Uh, five. Rising goes live at 5 o'clock. They actually have special guest Luis Sejas they do. on their show today, they do. which is really exciting. So be sure to come out uh, if you have a chance at some point. Uh, during the afternoon or during the evening, we'd love to see you out here uh, and get to hang out with you. Uh, Jacob, we are still a couple days away from the World Series actually happening. It feels like it's been sort of an eternity uh, waiting for this to finally start, but we're now two days away. And one of the big storylines out of the World Series this year is that Joe Buck will not be calling the World Series this season. Joe Buck has called the World Series for 25 consecutive years for Fox. Uh, but of course, his role is now, he has now been replaced by Joe Davis, who is uh, the play-by-play voice of the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, and is now filling in in this national role and already called a, lo- a number of playoff games up until this point. But uh, Jacob, I'm curious, what, do you, uh, what are your thoughts on Joe Davis and, and what you've seen so far from him calling some of these playoff games? Well, I think Joe Davis goes in line with just about anything people think about the Dodgers, right? Like they're just <laughs> able to get whoever they want. And Joe Davis is the type of guy that's super capable of being yeah. the best national broadcaster that any company could get their hands on. But of course, he's the Dodgers every single day play caller, which is just fascinating to me. But I, I actually really like Joe Davis. I think he's really good. Um, I actually also believe that Joe Buck gets way too much hate. Like, ah. I, as far as I can remember, Joe Buck has called everything from my life. Pretty much. I mean, you said 25 years, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. He called, 25. I mean, he called the Diamondbacks World Series yeah. back in 2001. Yeah. He was still so, doing like, it I, I have nothing against Joe Buck. I know people like to hate on him, but I actually think he was really, really good at what he did. And obviously, other people did too because he spent 25 years doing it. Um, so sad to see him go, but Joe Davis is definitely the right guy for this call. Joe Davis is 34 years old, everyone. So, um, yeah. What are you doing with your life? Yeah, what are you doing with your life? Exactly. Joe Davis, uh, he was calling games for uh, a minor league team not that long ago, but it's amazing in the broadcast industry how quickly you can move up the ranks if you have as much talent as a guy like that does. I'm with you. I also think that Joe Davis does a, a tremendous job uh, for games with the Los Angeles Dodgers and uh, I'm sure that with time, I think fans will sort of adapt to him. So far, I feel like I've seen mostly positive reviews of of Joe Davis. It, I haven't seen too much negativity. Uh, I did think it was interesting uh, over at the L.A. Times, Bill Schenken uh, wrote a column uh, about Joe Davis and his journey to the role that he's in now. And it's titled this. It's your first World Series, Joe Davis. Be ready for the haters on social media. It's so true. It's so true. It's so true. Like, no matter what you do in this industry, whether it's you play as an athlete, you call nationally broadcasted games, you're going to find somebody that doesn't like what you're doing. Like, it just yeah. you're just going to get hate no matter what you do. That's just part of what you're, like, being a part of this group. Like, it just, I don't know. And it's I understand the need for the article, but just block it out at this point. Like it's just people mad that they they don't get to do that themselves. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean, and a big part of it too is that when you're a national analyst, like 
you're supposed to be unbiased, right? You're supposed to not favor one Correct. team or the Correct. other. And that can be really difficult, like practically speaking, to actually pull that off. I know there are several fan bases that are convinced uh, that Joe Buck just utterly hated their team, right? And just had it out for them and wanted to say as many negative things as they pos- as he possibly could about their team. When in, in reality, that probably just wasn't the case. And it's no. just part of being a national broadcaster. Maybe you're not quite as well informed about teams individually as, you know, the home broadcasters that have that role throughout the year. And right. so you're going to know some storylines. You're not going to know others. And at times it can rub fan bases the wrong way. Yeah, the, the the hand selection is where it gets a little weird, right? Like they pick and choose things that they want to nitpick. Right. Right. They don't look at the picture as a whole. So they're looking at the, you know, the one comment he made in game three of whatever series it was. And sure. he said one thing and they're like, oh, he hates my team. <laughs> and then they will only ever hear things that are negative against their team right they just they just pick right they just pick little things here and there to to get angry about yeah and for the record this is not just a baseball thing right this happens happens in other sports too i think maybe less so in the nfl just because every broadcast in the nfl is a national broadcast so you're kind of used to it at a certain point and i think those broadcasters are pretty well informed about the teams that that they're talking about most of the time at least uh the nba however we do see a lot of uh, anger thrown around about different Oof. broadcasters. Uh, I don't know if any of you watched the Suns game last night on TNT, but uh, a lot of Suns fans were sounding off about, you know, how Reggie Miller, all he knows about the Suns is that they lost in game seven of the Mavericks last year. They didn't know anything else. I think there's some validity to that, right? At times, uh, you know, the national media caters to the teams that are more popular sure. and sure. Arizona teams are, are typically not that. I don't know in this situation, like the Astros or the Phillies, I don't know if there's necessarily a big swing one way or the other in terms of like, oh, yeah. the national audience knows everything about this team but not the other. But Now, I think a majority of viewers are probably going to look at it from the scope of a Dodgers perspective. Like, oh, Joe Davis was a Dodgers broadcaster. Joe right. Davis called Dodgers games during the World Series when the Dodgers faced the Astros and trash cans. Could you imagine if Joe Davis... Were like if the Dodgers were in the World Series this year and Joe Davis were calling those games, like how, how would you feel I mean, about I, that? I, would hope, he would, I would hope he would be professional about it. Yeah, right. Like he knows he knows that he's getting paid by the national group of television broadcasters. That like he's getting paid by them to do the World Series in an unbiased manner, right? So even if yeah. the Dodgers were in it, I think he would have no problem flipping that switch. Yeah. Obviously, if you tune into a Dodgers broadcast on. You know Turner Sports or whatever. I don't. I think it's Turner Sports. So that sounds right. Yeah. If you turn on a Dodgers broadcast, there you're going to get a more Dodgers centric broadcast. But as soon as these guys, like they're professionals, just like an athlete, right? They might root for their own team, but they're going to get traded and they're going to play just as hard for the next team. Yeah. They're not trying to lose. So like it's the same way with broadcasters, right? He gets to a national broadcast. He's going to flip that switch. He's going to become a national unbiased broadcaster. Like yeah. Joe Davis said this about that very topic. He said, I've done enough Dodger games nationally and Dodger playoff games where it's not a difficult thing for me to flip that switch from being the Dodger guy to the neutral national guy. But there is something to be said for a clean matchup where I don't have to think about that added layer. So, of course, that's what he's getting in this case with the Astros, um, the Astros and the Phillies in the World Series. So I'm excited to see Joe Davis in this spot. I was honestly a big fan of his. Um, even when he was just doing Dodger games and he wasn't really doing any national broadcasts. I just think he's a very talented broadcaster. 
he has a voice for the big moments too. For sure. You know, there's there's something about that that you you just can't teach, right? Like you just can't teach a guy to have uh, you know the the depth of voice to to really live up to those big moments in the game. And I think you need to look no further than what he his call for the Bryce Harper home run, right? right. I mean, that was outstanding. Uh, a call that I'm sure will be played for years and years and years after this so does it ever make you think about how lucky dodgers fans really are yeah going from vin scully to joe like joe davis vin scully was there for ever yeah forever and widely regarded as quite possibly if not the best broadcaster in baseball and then you flip over and it's like oh yeah we're gonna hire this i I mean how long has joe davis been calling games there six years five years something like that yeah he was doing the road games for a while with Vince Scully doing the home games right so they flipped that switch and like now it seems like they've got another one that they're gonna have for 30 40 years without needing to look for another broadcaster so a lot of a lot of those Dodgers fans probably don't realize how lucky they are with that whole situation 10 years ago Joe Davis was the voice of the Montgomery Biscuits which is a great name for a baseball team uh yeah he's a he's a seasoned professional at this point uh, one point of conversation relating to all of this is like, is there another way potentially for Major League Baseball to go about this uh, when it comes to the national broadcast in the playoffs? It seems there, there's a part of this that seems sad, right? That you have your home broadcaster throughout the entire regular season. And then if your team gets the playoffs, you don't get them anymore. They're just they're just gone. And you have all of these national analysts instead. Is there a way to maybe you know find a solution where those guys are still included once a team gets um, into the postseason well no I, I don't think there is really because if you look at the the whole scope like money's gonna talk no matter what yeah and to involve the local broadcasting teams like it's gonna cost either extra money or the national media is gonna have to relinquish the fact that the game is also going to be broadcast at a regional level which they're not going to do because they want the entire ratings for themselves. Like, they're not going to split that piece yeah, of the pie. True. Um, and the national broadcast teams are already so big and everybody's already got such a high payroll anyways. I just don't see a way that you can feasibly squeeze in the local teams because then you've got to figure out how to do both, right? Could you have? Could you pull one broadcaster from one team and one from another and smush it together into do, one, do you into want, one do national you broadcast? Do you want to be awful? I guess because that's what you'd be asking for. Yeah, like you, like you're you're just like, hey, you guys have never done a show together. Do it. I mean, yeah, you're probably right. But this, um, like it, okay, I worked at Bally Sports Arizona before coming here, and true. I was a really big part of production. And there is this one person that produces the show every single game. There are two broadcasters every single game, with the occasional fill in here or there. There's one pregame producer that produces the pregame every single day. So, like, these broadcasters get into a routine yeah. over their everyday lives, right? Like, there's one person that caters the show exclusively to them. So, if you grab these broadcasters and you throw them into the national broadcast, you're like, you've never done a show with him. You don't know how this producer reacts or what they're going to do. You don't know how this producer yeah. reacts or what they're going to do. They'd be lost. That broadcast would be tragic, I would imagine. Let a man dream, Jacob. Come on now. I have to crush your dreams every once in a while, too, Jesse. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, yeah, I, I saw John Boy was talking about that on their show a few weeks back of like, is there some way in the postseason to be able to maintain some of those voices that fans are used to, to hearing throughout the season? I think it's kind of sad that that just goes by the wayside. But like you're saying, there's just not a, a really easy way to do it. Uh, ben made a good point uh, in the comments, or an interesting point in the comments. He said, I think it's uh, he's a lot better of a baseball broadcaster than Buck. Buck is a good football broadcaster, 
I don't think he had a knack for baseball. Joe Buck, I mean, Fox asked a lot of Joe Buck because he literally would broadcast football and baseball, possibly other sports too. Like, I don't know how one person... Joe Buck had a busy, busy, busy schedule. He had a very busy schedule. Like, how could you possibly expect one person to be able to maintain a knowledge base, like the knowledge base that you would need to do all of those different sports well? It feels completely impossible. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, Like... I think we need to give some of these broadcasters a little bit more grace for what they take on. Because at times it's like, yeah, okay, they're just trying to do their job. They're not like egregiously trying to ruin your night. They're Except just, for Reggie Miller. He was trying, just, he was actively trying to ruin Suns fans' nights last well, night. Well, so I'm, was Clay I'm, Thompson, but that didn't true. work either. <laughs> the Suns came out on top anyway. They did, a, they did by good. 30. So suck it, Warriors. There you go. Uh, we are out here at Four Peaks. Uh, always a great time out here. The last Wednesday of every month, we love to broadcast out here. Uh, so uh, once again, come out and join us if you have some time this afternoon. We'll be here until 5 o'clock. Uh, you'll find some PHNX people around who would love to hang out with you for sure. Uh, we have some cool events coming up here uh, with Four Peaks as well. The Yotes play their inaugural home game at Mullet Arena this Friday. Big event there. Join our PHNX Coyotes crew at Four Peaks for our tailgate slash watch party. It's free to enter and you can enjoy $3 beer specials and watch on a 20-foot jumbo screen. Leah, Leah, tell people how exciting this is going to be. This is going to be amazing. Um, whether or not you have tickets to the game, we're going to be here at 4.30. The game's not till 7.30, so you can come pregame, tailgate. It's literally a six-minute drive or a 20-minute walk to Mullet Arena. And then if you have tickets, head on over. If you don't, there's going to be a 20-foot projector screen. You're not going to get closer to the action than being here with drink specials, giveaways, and watch the Coyotes with fellow Coyotes fans. It's a fun opportunity. Can you even watch a game on a 20-foot like you have to stand back like a fair a fair distance in order to make sure you can actually see everything, right? Jesse, when you go to a game, like if you're physically at a game, how big is the scope of view? Probably bigger than twenty feet. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. All right, fair Just enough. Just answered your own question. <laughs> uh, anyway, you could register through the link in our show notes. Be sure to check that out. Uh, hook yourself up with some discounted beer. We have fifteen dollars for a twenty-four pack of the fall variety pack. That's a new thing here today. Uh, this Saturday only at Four Peaks Wilson Street Brewery from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. The first 50 peeps there get a free Oktoberfest shirt as well. Like, so. Guys, do not miss that opportunity. That's huge. Like $15 for a 24-pack of their fall beer. Like That's insane. The Pumpkin Porter. Oh, you like you cannot miss this event. That's crazy. So Saturday, once again, only at Four Peaks Wilson Street Brewery. That's from 9 a.m to 1 p.m. Also, the first 50 people there will get a free Oktoberfest shirt. So tons of incredible things happening this Saturday. Uh, of course, must be 21 or older. Enjoy responsibly. Uh, Jacob, we'll get into some Arizona Fall League action a little bit later in the show, but I will say right now, the Salt River Raptors utterly destroyed the Scottsdale Scorpions uh, yesterday, 12 to nothing. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. No um, Jordan Lawler. No Jordan Lawler. Yeah, unfortunately, Sad. his Arizona Fall League season is over at this point. But... Um, while I was out there, I was tempted to recommend OGs to the uh, Scottsdale Scorpions players because they really, I really hope that they were able to get some to sleep. To relax. And yeah, they sleep needed after, to relax you know. and, and, uh, and try to get some rest after what was a very, very rough loss at the hands of the Salt River Raptors yesterday. Uh, so uh, telling you about our friends at OGs, they just did something that totally is going to change the game. They just launched their brand new Sleep Edition Gummy. You don't want to sleep on these. This time I actually understood the pun. 
Um, it took you a second yesterday. It took me a second yesterday. I was just utterly confused. Uh, yes, you heard us right. OG's is now flavoring dreams with a 2 to 1 THC CBN ratio gummy. CBN is a compound that helps specifically with falling and staying asleep. And this sleep edition gummy is in their new aquaberry flavor, uh, which Derek swears by every single day of the week. Uh, we highly recommend you check out OG's online at ogsbrands.com and on Instagram at ogsbrands. You can also find their products at your local dispensary. Must be 21 years or older does, to purchase. Does he even swear it? On Earth Day? On Earth Day. And um, because every day is Earth Day, right? Every day is Earth Day. And every day here. is not Mailbag Monday. No. I'm not sure where you're going with that. Every week Today. is Shark Week. Every week is Shark Week. Every week is Shark yeah. Week. There does he it is. swear it on Shark Weeks? I believe he does. Yeah, I wonder I if sharks would like Aquaberry. Because they're in water, so like... That's fair. See, that's seems a great like, question. Seems like a natural fit. We'll have to, we'll have to do some experimenting at some point. Um, anyway, our main topic for uh, today, which you probably saw in our show headline, is which players have just utterly destroyed the Diamondbacks over the years? This is uh, maybe a painful topic, but also sort of a therapeutic one to just look back at what's happened over the years and just come to terms with some of the players that Diamondbacks fans may not like a particularly uh, a whole lot. Um, Jacob, before we get into any of the numbers, who, who out there just feels like a player that has destroyed the Diamondbacks. Like before looking at any numbers or anything else, who do you just feel like is one of those guys that is always at their best against the Arizona Diamondbacks? Yasiel Puig. Yasiel Puig. Interesting. Any particular memories of him doing anything I mean, in particular? Like for him, it's not even just hitting, right? You just have vivid images of him with his cannon out in right field, throwing guys out, trying to stretch a double into a triple or trying to such a stretch a single into a double like he just had a cannon so yeah. it wasn't just hitting for him like watching him play i was always like oh man please please that ball's slightly in the gap please don't go for it like just stay on base I, I, don't, don't make any mistakes <laughs> you can't which is funny because like how the mighty have fallen right like he wasn't really no he was good for a few years he, was he wasn't really like so he's one of them um trevor story is another one that comes to mind i was actually uh there for Shelby Miller's first start as an Arizona Diamondback. I was also there that day. And that was really hard to watch. That Were was, you there for Zach Granke's first start? I think I which went I for think, both, yeah. I think Trevor Story at two home runs. Yeah, and Zach I was there Granke's for both. It just was hard. That, that first series was so hard to watch. Yeah. And this was that series, too, that was Trevor Story's first time ever playing Major League yeah. Baseball. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's this rookie, and he, I think he hit four home runs in that series. In that series, yeah, something ridiculous miserable. like that. Yeah, Trevor Story... Uh, career 985 OPS against the Diamondbacks. So the numbers do uh, sort of check out on that front. Uh, two names came to mind for me, just kind of thinking about who I, I just kind of have a sense has been good against the D-backs over the years. One of them is Rymel Tapia, another Colorado Rocky. Sure. Who, I don't know what it is, but it, he's never Archie been... Bradley? He's never been, yeah, he's never been that good of a hitter in general, but against the Diamondbacks, it's not like he's hitting dingers left and right, uh, but he just seems to always have uh, multiple clutch hits every time the Diamondbacks would play the Rockies. Of course, Tapia is not there anymore, uh, which is good news for for the yeah, D-backs, frankly. Yeah, Rymel, Rymel was one of those guys you never wanted to see come up to the plate in a big situation. And like I mentioned, especially if Archie Bradley was pitching, you yeah. did not want Rymel Tapia to come or, up to or, the plate. Or uh, Matt Kemp as well. Ooh, There's some, yes. some well, uh, bad memories there, there was with Archie Bradley. There was some definite Kemp. beef there. Archie got himself yeah. into that one. Yeah. Uh, another name that came to mind for me was Howie Kendrick. Uh, hasn't been in the league for uh, for a little while now, uh, but it just always felt like Howie Kendrick when he would play the D-backs. He played for a whole bunch of different teams, and he always felt like he was at his best. He had an 898 OPS in his career 
against the Diamondbacks in 202 plate appearances. So the numbers sort of checked out there as well. Uh, let us know in the comments what you think, what names come to mind for you. Anibal Sanchez. Anibal Sanchez. Interesting. I just uh, vivid memories of like uh, there's been also been times when they've gotten to him for like eight runs. But I just have really like wild memories from when I was younger of him just carving them up. Anibal's, I mean, he's been around for a long yeah. time. Uh, I think he had a pretty good outing against the D-backs recently in his upper 30s, so there's probably some truth to that. Um, yeah, so let, let's jump into uh, a more official list. So Jacob asked on the show yesterday, who has hit the most home runs in their career against the Arizona Diamondbacks? So we have a list here, uh, courtesy of the one and only stat head, which is uh, an absolute lovely thing for people like me who are baseball nerds and love to look things like this up. So this is the top 10 list of home run hitters against the Arizona Diamondbacks all time. Probably could have guessed one, three, and four based off of the sheer fact that they played for so long in the division. Like, And they're very, very good. Yeah, like Barry Bonds, <laughs> Adrian Gonzalez, and Todd Helton, I probably could have guessed. But Matt Kemp being up there... That one's a bit shocking to me. Yeah, Matt Kemp has a career 854 OPS against yeah. the Diamondbacks, so it's yeah. not like it's off the chart, uh, off the charts. But he does have 715 plate appearances against the D-backs in his career. Yeah. Um. So yeah, playing for both the Padres and the Dodgers for a sizable portion of your career will do that. Um. Other names that stick out on here, I think it's cool that Albert Pujols. Maybe cool is the wrong word, but didn't it's, Pujols hit his first career home run against the he Diamondbacks? He did. He did hit his first career home wow. run against the D-backs. It all comes full circle. It all comes full circle. And, and then he, he hit two of them off Mad Bum this year. That the he same did. Game. That he did. <laughs> Mad Bum sucks. <laughs> oh gosh, uh, Albert Pujols, twenty-five home runs in his career against the Diamondbacks, despite playing. Uh, in the American League for around a decade and never being in the same division as the D-backs other than a brief stint, I guess, with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, Nolan Arenado's on the list as well. He's number five with 30 home runs. Carlos Gonzalez, number six, 29. Brian Giles, number seven. Uh, he had 27 home runs in his career from 1999 to 2009. Uh, and Chris mentioned Charlie Blackman earlier, and he is also on this list, 25 home runs Ten in his career. 10 years will do that. Ten years will do Ten that. Years yeah. will do that. Charlie Blackman has been in the NL West for uh, for a hot minute at this point. I also looked it up. This is just kind of a backtrack. Anibal Sanchez did throw a no hitter against the D backs. Really? With the Marlins. Interesting. What year? What year was that? Ooh, give me another second. I just okay. exited out. You that's, keep going. That's uh, that's interesting. I I remember some good starts from Anibal Sanchez against the D backs, but that did not occur to me initially that that oh, was 2014. 2014. Okay. Well, 2014 was sort of a year to forget all the way around for the Diamondbacks. So um, maybe maybe people Wait, have just sort of blocked no, that out of their minds at this point. 20, 2006. They posted the video in 2014. It's 2006. Ah, 2006. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That was a long, long time ago. It was a Dolphin then. Stadium. Okay. It was before they had the new four walks, two nothing win. Four walks. Not a not a. Not the best no hitter that you'll that you'll see, but a no hitter is a no hitter nonetheless. Edwin Jackson will will tell you that more than well, more than anyone I don't, else. I think I would petition <laughs> to get his disbarred from history. <laughs> yeah, can Seven we take walks out, and a hit batter is really really not good. Take out Edwin Jackson and throw in Madison Bumgarner and his seven inning sure. no hitter. Maybe I think that one should count. It feels like it should count more than a nine inning no hitter with eight walks. Uh, a hit batter and a he hit almost, batter. He almost lost that game. They won that game one to nothing. Yeah, <laughs> they won that game one to nothing, and he walked the bases loaded in an inning, and right. it was like three two on another guy almost walked in the tying run. He almost didn't win that game. 
<laughs> yeah, it was not not the not the most scenic no hitter you'll you'll ever see. But eh, I guess it's going to go in the record books whether we like it or not. Um, I also looked up the highest OPS. Uh, against the Diamondbacks all time. This is minimum 100 plate appearances, just to make sure that these guys have had a good number of reps against oh the D-backs. Here's the list, Jacob. This is what we got. Oh Manny boy. Ramirez is number one with a 1305 OPS against the Diamondbacks. Well, 157 plate appearances. He hit 411, 522, 782. That was Manny Ramirez's slash line against the D-backs in his career. Do uh, you have any Manny Ramirez memories? I guess that was a little little while ago at this point. No, not particularly because a majority of my Manny Ramirez memories came from when he was a Red Sox. That's fair. Um, so not many when he was with the Dodgers. Like I just at that point, I felt like other than against us, he was pretty just okay. Yeah. At times, like he was he was good, but okay. Like he had one year with the Dodgers at the end of his career where he was just insane. Um, it was, yeah, it was 2008. Okay. He spent half the year with Boston and then I think was traded around the trade deadline to the Dodgers. And after that trade, he hit 396 Oof. for LA. In I the wonder last how much of that. Oh, yeah. I wonder how many games they played against the D backs in that stint. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of what we're seeing with, with these numbers probably has to do with 2008. And then he also was with the Dodgers in 2009 the, had a good season there and was decent in 2010 for yeah. that too. The biggest thing for me sitting on this list right now is well I guess there's there's two that really stand out to me and that's Fernando Tatis because you're going to have to deal yeah. with that man for a long time. <laughs> we Obviously, talked about that like, yesterday. Like ben says in the chat it's a really small sample size um because he can't seem to stay on the field no matter what he does. I mean it's 131 plate appearances still so it's it's not you know I mean you're not talking about like three games or anything there's some there's some weight to a 1304 OPS for Tatis. AJ Pollock just hurts my soul to see yeah. that name on the list because like <laughs> I was okay like obviously I was an AJ Pollock fan when he was here but I was also kind of on the train where I was like I don't know if I like this guy like he's hurt all the time. Sure. And then goes to the Dodgers and like throws a fit on his way out of Arizona and it's like all right cool yeah that's fun AJ Pollock didn't I mean he was he was good for the Dodgers there for a couple of years uh not good this season after being traded to the White Sox it seems like he might be kind of on the downturn of his career but yeah AJ Pollock has an 1108 OPS uh, against the Diamondbacks in his career not a huge sample but still 149 plate appearances he's hitting 361 against his former team so A.J. Pollock has certainly made those at-bats count. Um, Vladimir Guerrero is on this list at number seven with a 1,111 OPS. Uh, this is not Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah, this, so is, this is his dad. This is his dad, Vladimir Guerrero, who uh, it was also a pretty darn good player back in the day. So uh, nothing to be too ashamed about there. Uh, George Springer is on here, which is kind of interesting. Um, How many play appearances? Yeah, Sorry, it's it's a hundred. Was... It's a hundred. Am I that boring right no, now, Jacob? I just, <laughs> just got hit with it all of a sudden. George Springer in 119 plate appearances has an 1173 OPS against the D-backs. So uh, not a ton of games. You know, he's he's been in the American League, but uh, still still something there. Uh, number four is Barry Bonds with an 1192 OPS. Number three, Dante Bichette. Uh, from 1998 to 2000, so going way back to the beginning of the D-backs, uh, yeah, Dante Bichette hit 372 uh, with an OPS of 1192 against the Diamondbacks. So, Bo Bichette's father, correct? Is that Bo Bichette's dad? That's a great question. Um, 
I I want to say that you are correct. Uh, yes, yes, you are correct. Yeah, yeah. Dante Bichette was Bo Bichette's dad, uh, and Bo Bichette is a pretty decent He's player. He's pretty in his dang own good. Right. Sad that he didn't go to ASU, but it's okay. Was Boba Fett going to go? He was committed to Arizona State. Every really? time you talk about him, I think you're talking about Boba Fett, like the Star Wars character. We can talk about Boba <laughs> Fett. And I, I, just, about and I get so long. confused. <laughs> yeah. Like what, like, what do you want to talk about? Boba, Boba Fett? No? Leah says no. Leah says no. All right. Um, any other names stick out to you on this list here, Jacob? I guess we have uh, Edwin Encarnacion, yeah. who is just like casually one of the best hitters in baseball there for a few years. For a while. Yeah, no, not really. I mean, like, the, the big names that stuck out to me were just the ones that we still have to deal with, and just, it's sad at yeah. times. I'm like, man. So there, there's also a few names, this was interesting, there's also a few guys who haven't performed that well against the Diamondbacks in their career that I noticed. Uh, Manny yeah, Machado. Kershaw. Yeah, I don't know. Clayton Kershaw, you're saying, hasn't performed well against the Diamondbacks in his career? If you look at his numbers against any other team, they are significantly better than against the Arizona. I'm pretty sure he's like a 3-9 against the D-backs. Okay. Yeah, it's not like it's horrible or anything. No, but it's definitely not Clayton Kershaw standards. Fair enough. Uh, Manny Machado has a career 726 OPS against the Arizona Diamondbacks, which is not that good. Like, actually not that good. it's pretty average. I mean, it's it's just kind of across the board kind of like a yeah he's okay like he okay against the d-backs obviously he's much better than okay yeah yeah, uh, yeah well, so that one's a bit surprising for sure uh sticking with the padres juan soto his career ops against the diamondbacks in 121 flight appearances 642 i'd love to know how many walks that's a great question um it's probably a lot because of walks, the, the, soto, the soto shuffle is like I would imagine he's been walked quite a few times just against every team that he's played. Right. Um, but uh, the fact that he's with the Padres right now and he could be with the Padres for quite a while, I would imagine that OPS is going to start creeping up starting next year. It, it very well could. Uh, he's hitting 190 wow. with a 322 on base. So wow. so a decent, decent number of walks yeah. there, slugging yeah. only 320. So, yeah, he's basically just walked a decent amount, and that's pretty much all the damage that Juan Soto has done against the Diamondbacks. So if you can't beat him, walk him. You can't beat him, walk him. There you go. And, yeah, for some reason that strategy, like, kind of worked against Juan Soto this year. He drew so many walks that at a certain point, it felt like it, it might be hard for him. It wasn't impacting the game in the way that Juan Soto wants to impact the game. Yeah. Um, so, I, of course, I had to look up who has the lowest OPS against the Diamondbacks, uh, minimum 100 plate appearances. And that goes to none other than Joaquin Arias. Interesting. Uh, who had a 309 OPS in 117 plate appearances. He was not a particularly good hitter in general. I think his career OPS was like 650 or something, but 309 is like... That's like, abysmal. Yeah, like your pitcher should probably have a better OPS than that or at least pretty close. So that was, uh, that was pretty I'd wild. love to know what Madison Bumgarner's OPS against the Arizona Diamondbacks is. Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll get on that. I'll see, I'll see what I can, uh, what I can what do for tomorrow's find. show maybe. Um, you think it? I guess he did have. I know he had a game where he hit two home he runs did. against the. He did. It was opening day. Yeah, it was opening day. It was a opening few day years against back. Zach Ranky. Did he hit both against Zach Ranky? I don't know if both were against. I think Zach. it might have been one against Zach and then one against uh, one the against pen. the the bullpen of the Diamondbacks. Oh, that's yeah. another good one. Under the tweet that you had out earlier today, it was like you asked the question, "What are names that come right. to mind?" The, right. the people that kill the Diamondbacks. Somebody just responded, "Bullpen." <laughs> 
Ah, here we go. All roads lead back to the bullpen uh, on the PH Next Diamondbacks podcast. That just feels that just feels fitting. Uh, we have Hertz Donuts out here with us today at Four Peaks. Jacob, I understand you partook of a Hertz Donut earlier today. I did. I had today. the blueberry one. It was delicious. I'm okay. eating this circus animal one. Um, it Whoa. is so good. I can't even explain. Wait, is what is so that? Good. What is that? It's consist like animal of? cracker. It's like you know the circus oh, animal cracker, but then yeah. it's all it's just a cake donut with vanilla icing and sprinkles, and then an animal cracker, not a regular one like the circus one. Yeah, so if you're good. if you're looking for top tier donuts, like Hertz Donut is the spot. Like yeah. they have some incredible donuts. Yeah, so be sure to check out Hertz Donuts. They hooked us up with donuts today, and we are enjoying them immensely well, and i am you jesse the first thing i do once i get off the show is i'm gonna go find myself the best i'm gonna eat all of them I can so possibly can. find we'll see about that jacob we'll see you can get there first um anyway we would love for you to join our family here at phnx be sure to head over to gophnx.com today and become a member of our family and you'll either get a free t-shirt from the phnx locker or your first month for just 50 cents just for signing up um if you do so you can uh, find all of the writings of myself as well as Craig Morgan and Gerald Bourget and the rest of our writing crew here at PHNX. So be sure to uh, join us and become a member of the family. We also saw our son's crew drop a pretty sick t-shirt last night, if I'm not mistaken. We um, we did drop a pretty dope shirt. Um, while you keep talking, I'm going to send it to Leah so that she can put it on the screen for okay. all the folks to see. There we go. There we go. Yeah. So uh, a pretty dope t-shirt from our son's crew released just last night. And if you sign up for an annual membership, uh, you could get that t-shirt for free as part of signing up. Uh, so be sure to jump on that. Once again, you can get not only my writings about the Diamondbacks and uh, some MLB postseason stuff. I'm working on uh, some stories right now about why you might care to root for the Phillies as well as why you might care to root for the Astros, knowing full well that you probably have already decided that you're rooting for the Phillies. Um, but I'm still going to give you some reasons uh, anyway to, to root for either team. I think that the Astros have some likable players. Is Dusty Baker the only reason for the Astros? Dusty Baker, I found a few other ones, believe it or not. There are some other interesting reasons and some compelling storylines on the Astros side that you know, maybe if you're not rooting uh, for the Astros, which is understandable, maybe maybe you'd appreciate them just a little bit more. Um, and then on the Philly side, I probably don't need to give you reasons to root for the Phillies, but I'm going to anyway. And uh, some of them will, will probably uh, stand out to you and be things that you haven't uh, you haven't heard before. So be sure to uh, keep it locked to gophnext.com where uh, I'll be releasing those here shortly. Um, we're still working on getting this, yeah, uh, this t-shirt graphic. My, my All right. file decided to just fail on me for some reason. All right, well, we'll, we'll get it up there eventually because it is a, it is a I'll t-shirt. I'll put the link to the new shirt in the chat right yeah, now. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Uh, it is, it is a t-shirt absolutely worth checking out, especially after what the Phoenix Suns did to the Golden State Warriors last night. That was glorious all the way around. Uh, our last topic here in uh, this edition of the PHNX D-backs podcast is an update on the Arizona Fall League. I was out there last night, and as I said earlier, Jacob, yeah, there we go. We love our Fall Guys no, graphic. I'm not a Fall Guy. Yeah, no. we should have swapped out. We need to out. add me on this graphic. We should have. Yeah, we absolutely should have added you on this graphic. Um, but anyway, I was out there last night, and uh, the Salt River Raptors uh, just dominated the Scottsdale Scorpions, twelve to nothing in that game. Uh, Cooper Hummel uh, started the game at catcher representing the Diamondbacks. He was one for four with a walk and a single in that one. Going to be honest, Jacob, the defense for Cooper Hummel didn't look great. Um, there were a few miscues that he made. It seems like there's a, a few um, a few more pitches that, you know, get 
under his legs or, or whatnot that he has trouble blocking behind the plate uh, than maybe what you'd hope for in a catcher. So obviously it's a it's a position that yeah. he doesn't have as much experience with as, as some other guys do. And the Diamondbacks seem to be committed to trying to see if he can work there as a potential backup catcher for next season. So um, it looks looks good at the plate, though. His at-bats were good. Uh, he had a couple of hard line drives that were caught in that game, so it probably could have been better uh, than the one for four. Uh, Davis and De Los Santos did not look good uh, yesterday. I'll, I'll just be frank with that. He was 0 for 5 with four strikeouts. Uh, took the golden sombrero for the Salt River Rafters uh, in that game. So another rough one for, for De Los Santos. And, and frankly, a lot of his at-bats have just not looked great in the Fall League. He's 19 years old. He's the youngest guy who was invited to the Fall League. And we're just kind of seeing him show some of that inexperience. And it seems like he might be uh, just mentally struggling right yeah. now with the level of competition he's facing. Yeah, it definitely could be the 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 young aspect that he's got going on for him, right? Like he's 19 years old. He's still yeah. got a long ways to go. While well, he showed signs of what he could turn out to be this year, like these young players, when they get to a point where they're struggling, it seems like they might get in their head a little bit too much. Yeah. We saw it with Alec Thomas a little bit at times this year where it was like, oh, shoot, maybe I can't just dominate these guys off of pure talent so yeah it seems like Davison de los santos has hit a hit a point where he's he's kind of struggling with his maybe his confidence a little bit at the plate um you know we always talked about the fact that he was extremely impatient as a hitter yeah right he took very few walks he struck out a lot um after last night is his strikeout rate in the fall league is up to 35 percent right, i believe which right. is so, which is similar to what he had in the minors this year it's pretty high it'll take a, a bit of coaching to get him back to where he needs to be but he's so young that, that he's such an impressionable hitter i would imagine that just give him some time if yeah. they can get that strikeout rate down they can get him taking a few pitches he's going to find more pitches in his zone and and that'll flip right back over i would imagine Honestly, next year, I'm, I'm like less concerned about what De Los Santos' OPS is and how many home runs he hits as much as I am just how much is he walking and Correct. how much is he striking Correct. out. Because um, this last year, he put up some big home run numbers and had a nice OPS, but the walk and strikeout numbers were a little bit concerning. And as you move up through the minor league system, that tends to be more and more of an issue as you get to the higher levels. So something to monitor there. Uh, Jackson Goddard, D-backs pitching prospect, through a scoreless eighth inning in that game. So that was nice to see. Uh, but yeah, big game for the Salt River Rafters, even if uh, some of the Diamondbacks players didn't necessarily play a huge role in, in the outcome. There were no home runs or you know extra base hits or anything on that front. Um, but still great to see the Salt River Rafters coming out and just stomping the Scottsdale Scorpions in the way that they did. You said no D-backs players performing. I mean, oh, yeah, Cooper, Hummel was, Cooper Hummel was one for four with a walk. and scoreless, and, A scoreless outing from the pen. Yeah, Jackson Goddard. Yeah, go. yeah. That's something we never get inning. to see—a scoreless outing from the pen. That's that's fair. Yeah, those are few and far between at times around here. So yeah, you gotta gotta appreciate that. You gotta um, take your wins where you can get them, Jesse. I have to be honest. I was reminded yesterday of just how vastly superior Salt River Fields is to all other spring training facilities. Uh, Scottsdale Stadium. I hadn't been there since I was like a, a little kid. And when I was a little kid, I love Scottsdale Stadium. Really, I I swear it was just so much bigger when I was a kid than when I was there last night. It just felt like this tiny little, it's pretty small, like like single A minor league field. But it's that, so much fun. Like what, going to a spring you, training game there is so much fun. What What do you like about Scottsdale Stadium? Give me well, some specifics here. Other than that I it's probably small. I probably am fortunate in the fact that I go and there's like a little reserved area, like 
one of my family members' companies like has a table every uh, year in the right field, like the the outfield area. Like there's a seating area out in right field where there's like a bar. They give you free food. It's great. I have a great time. Like okay, it's 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 pretty. I like that stadium. I a will lot. say the press box view is a lot better than it is at Star River Fields because it is a smaller stadium, so it kind of just feels like you're sitting in the stands in a pretty good seat. So pretty much every seat in that ballpark is a really good seat because of how uh, intimate of an environment it is. But uh, the Raptors have actually played their last game at Salt River Fields um, during the entire fall league. They were stacked at the beginning of the fall league season. Uh, what I heard yesterday, Jacob, is that apparently they're training uh, new people to come in and and use the ball strike challenge system uh, to operate the ball strike challenge system. So they had a whole bunch of people flying in from other states learning how to use that system. And in order to keep things simpler, they just wanted all of those games to happen like right in a row. It's so exciting. Had, Can't wait for no umps. Yeah. If, well, <laughs> I know it doesn't mean no umps. <laughs> it does not mean no umps. Uh, yeah. The challenge, system, <laughs> the challenge system is, is made so that the umpire... Uh, still has a lot of influence in, in what happens. It's just, you know, it gives it gives players an opportunity to maybe correct some of those calls yeah, that, that the, umpires might Some, of the, some of the rules with that are going to be a little interesting. Like, it's it, at times I feel like it's going to get really selfish player-wise. Like, it's on the pitcher whether he wants to challenge the call or not. And the team as a whole only gets like one or two challenges a game or something like yeah. that, if I remember correctly. Team as a whole gets three. Three, right. Yeah, so you that's, get three challenges, and you, but you keep the challenge if you're right. It's not right, but it's not up to the manager, correct? It's up to the player. It's up to, to the players. It's which, up to the players on the field. could get really, really bad for relationships in the, the dugout. I mean, in, in my experience, so, so players didn't use them very often is one thing. It's not like, oh, we're just going to use these like drunken sailors because we have so many of them and might as well, right? Like players, I think we're pretty deliberate making sure that they use them um, in appropriate times. And uh, yeah, it seemed like most calls still stood. About 80% right. of calls, I would say, still stood. Um, and we did see some calls reversed as well. So an interesting, interesting system. I'll probably be writing about it over at gophnx.com sometime soon. Um, I think it's it's could be great for baseball. Honestly, it's it's awesome to see how engaged the fans are in it and how engaged each dugout sure. is in it. Uh, just like seeing the results on the screen and uh, everyone is just so engaged in that moment, like eager to figure out what what happened. So um, I'm excited to see that hopefully implemented into the big leagues at some point soon. Um, Jacob, do you are you on board? You on board with this uh, with this ball strike challenge system overall? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Pitch clock. Give me it all. Okay. Give me everything. Well, we're getting the pitch clock next year, whether people like it or not. That Give one is seven uh, inning baseball games. Wow. Jacob chose violence today, everyone. Seven inning baseball games. Oh, my goodness. Why? Why? Did you like, okay. Is it just too I long? know they're not doing them this year, like, or anymore with the double header stuff with the seven innings, but like, there have been a lot of folly games that have been seven I innings. No, I just think it's like, that's, a, it's so much fun. I actually really enjoyed the doubleheaders last year when they were seven innings apiece. Like, I had a, a really, really good time watching seven innings of super exciting baseball. Interesting. I think a seven-inning game is, like, not a real baseball game, but uh, I'm, the, I'm the baseball purist here, clearly. So, uh, anyway, uh, we would love to see you out at an Arizona Fall League event on November 5th. We will be out at Sloan Park. Uh, the sign that you see that looks like Wrigley Field, it's not Wrigley Field. This is Sloan Park. Um, out I used to in, live right across from Sloan Park. 
I yeah, I had uh, one of my siblings also had an apartment nice. right by there. It's a it's a nice area. Um, but yeah, we'd love to see you out on uh, November fifth at Sloan Park at six thirty five p.m. for the Arizona Fall League Home Run Derby. Uh, we're not sure yet who the representatives for that will be. I'm not sure we'll see any D-backs players in there. Uh, but let's face it, Jacob, it's a home run derby. You can't not have fun at a home run derby, regardless of who is on the field. So uh, we're excited to uh, to enjoy that with all of you then. Yeah. No, I mean, who doesn't love a good home run derby? Like it, it, It's just it's the type of event that you just can't not enjoy. Even, like, I'm a big I advocate. I go to a freaking college home run derby, and I would still have a good time. Oh, yeah. I think you don't even really have to be, like, a dedicated baseball fan to enjoy right. a home run derby. Everyone loves dingers at the end of the day. So uh, hope to see you all out there. Uh, we'll have ticket info coming soon. For the moment, you don't need to purchase any tickets. They should be available at the door, frankly. So uh, no need to, uh, to make any plans on that front. But we would love to see you there out on November 5th. Uh, to finish things up for today, I have a little surprise here for uh, what for is this? Jacob, which we've been waiting on for the right time for uh, for a little while now. But uh, you may remember, uh, I believe it was last week on the show, uh, Jacob questioned my vocabulary at one point. We were talking ah. about the World Series. We were talking about uh, some teams being underdogs, some teams being overdogs. Overdogs. That was the word that I used. And Jacob here insisted that overdog was not an actual word. I never said it wasn't. I just said nobody uses it. Leah, cue the evidence. It is an actual word. All right. So this is from uh, this is from Miriam Webster. Definition of overdog, one that is dominant or victorious. Uh, we have another one, which is from dictionary.com. You can see the definition there as well. So, Jacob, you are you... I, I don't remember that happening. In this moment, I am convinced that your argument was that overdog is not even a word to begin no, with. No, that wasn't not... the argument in the slightest. Interesting. It just was that I've never once heard anybody say overdog. Well, all I'm saying is that I wasn't wrong and that it is an actual word. Sure. Okay. I guess we're... <laughs> Put it there. All right. I guess we're in a good spot there. Darn it. I, that wasn't as satisfying as I was hoping it would be. I really I really wanted to like have this this epic prove Jacob wrong moment. Uh, but anyway, overdog you is a word, You wouldn't let me everyone. clip it. Otherwise, we would have, you know, had our answer. Yeah, I guess that's true. I said, I want to clip a chat. Like, you can. This is a true story. I said, let's clip it. Post it. Jesse said, I don't think people like that. <laughs> Well, it's because I just thought that I was using a totally okay word and you were just you were just you throwing a fit about it for no reason whatsoever. So Jesse's gonna start using overdog fantasy. That's I am. right, Charles. I just think that as someone whose nickname is literally Father Overlord Jacob, which is also I you could make a case is not a word people use in everyday life. Overlord? Yeah, overlord. When was the last time you used overlord like just casually? Well, actually, this is this is let's take it back to high school. Oh gosh, here we go. Um, I had a turtle. Okay. Which his name just started out. Why as... Why is that not surprising to me? <laughs> no, it's not. I had surprising. the turtle for like four months. It was not a long time. I so I had seen a turtle. You saw it. I saw a turtle. Yes, I saw a turtle in the middle of my neighborhood, which is in the middle of Mesa, which is just a very weird. Like, the turtle was in the middle of the road. Okay. And I was like, "We can we please keep it?" My dad said no. Whatever the fact, my birthday comes up senior year of high school, and all of my friends went to the pet store and bought me a turtle because like, I would not. Like all of your friends bought you a separate turtle? No, 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 no. Just oh, one turtle. Darn it. Just one oh, turtle. That was a missed opportunity. Right, right, right. So just one turtle, right? And I, just because I had not shut up about this turtle for like four months. And so I had this turtle, and his name started out as Speedy Ron. However, 
His name then evolved to Ronald Reagan, the Supreme Leader the Third, and at times it was like Ronald Reagan, Overlord, Supreme Leader the Third. Like it interesting. Was just, yeah. Wow. I don't know how it evolved, but it just did. Is the turtle still with us? He, cause sure. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I gave it to somebody when I moved to college because uh, my parents were like, "We're not keeping that thing." <laughs> That's fair. You didn't. You didn't want to take the the, the turtle to college. That wasn't to answer I, Ben's I question. The one I had. S- seen on the road was a tortoise okay the one that i had was a turtle ah what is the what is the difference between a turtle and a tortoise I don't know. okay i think tortoises are larger. larger i don't know tortoises are like desert related uh who knows well we can tell you the difference between a goose and a duck around here but turtles sure. and tortoises we can't we sometimes we just fall short on certain yeah. things so uh, we'll have to we'll have to figure that out for tomorrow. Uh, anyway, thank you all uh, for being with us here today. I want to tell you real quick about our friends over at More Furniture, who of course did a wonderful job uh, helping us furnish our new PHNX studios. We are very very grateful for everything that they provided us in that. And you too can spruce up your home during More Furniture's fall sale at morefurniture.com. Uh, plus, you'll receive a one hundred dollar gift card for every one thousand dollars that you spend. Uh, more furniture is great all the way around. And Jacob, I feel like I've, I've lived like half of my life in the recliners in our office since we, you have. Since we got those. You have. So. It's been really impressive. You're there every day. Like you do your show at 11 and you don't leave that recliner until about six o'clock. Well, because it's an incredibly, com- like if I go home, I don't have that recliner. So why would I want to go home? Jesse, That's- do we need to be concerned? Is there a reason that you stick around so long? <laughs> I guess I, I guess I enjoy hanging out with you guys. I don't know. That's I fair. didn't know that was I'm so fun. offensive to you. I'm fine. Um, eh, it's not really you that I stick around for, but uh, Damn. <laughs> you you just you, you know you you asked for it, Jacob. Um, anyway, we thank you all for being here with us today. Uh, once again, I hope we didn't bring back too many bad memories of former Diamondbacks players who uh, you know who sort of played pretty well against the Diamondbacks in, in their careers. But anyway, it was fun uh, reminiscing with you all here today. Uh, be sure to give us a follow on Twitter. You can find me at Jesse N. Friedman. You can find Faj at Jacob underscore Franklin 4. Our producer, Leah Merrill, you can find at Leah Merrill. Be sure to give her a follow as well for all of the wonderful Coyotes coverage that they have going on over there at PHNX Coyotes. Uh, but of course, we also have our PHNX underscore D-backs account where you can uh, follow along with all of our Diamondbacks coverage both during the season and out of the season. Uh, we'll still have some fun stuff coming for you all, of course. Um, it says get PHNX office a turtle. Vice, oh, vice I'm mayor s- turtle. I'm so on board with having a they turtle. Smell. I'm sorry, Elizabeth. I know you said you've had a turtle for 30 years, but I had a turtle for four months in my room and I couldn't stand the <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if Saul would would sign off on having turtle roaming around the office. We could just but hide it from him. Just hide it. Okay. Yeah. In his office. In his office. That's the only. That's the only yeah. only good place to hide it. Uh, be sure to give us a follow anyway at phnx underscore dbacks, and of course, all roads lead to at phnx underscore sports. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, for Leah, for Jacob, my name once again is Jesse Friedman. Thank you so much for being with us here today. And remember, kids, baseball is fun, but it's so much more fun when Joe Davis is on the mic.